hear it, receive it, and be doers of the word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Oh, man, a lot of folks have put a lot of work into this day. Thank you so much, worship team, for the glorious worship time. Let's give them a hand. We appreciate you very much. Thank you, deacons, for the great breakfast. Hey, if you got to participate in that, I think we ought to give them a hand, too. Thank you so much. All those guys in the gray shirts, we appreciate you very much for what you've done this morning. We were, this is a place of champions. I, I so appreciate all the service and all uh, the gifts that have been used this morning for the glory of God. We, we know we have champions among our young people. We celebrated at UIL and One Act Play advancing last week. Uh, yesterday or this weekend was a track um, championship. Our boys won the district, district meet. We're glad for that. So glad for that. Doug Duncan is the track coach. Doug, where are you? Right there. We're excited about that. Alec Martinez is up there. He won the high jump. We're glad for that. Carson Little won the discus. We're glad for that. They get to advance. All right. Spencer. Where is Spencer? Like Spencer, like a world-dominating track guy. He won the 110 hurdles, 330 hurdles, the long jump, the triple jump. And if all those guys hadn't dragged him down on the mile relay, he probably would have run the mile, won the mile relay too. Got third on that. Spencer, Spencer, we're so excited that you're so much faster than your brothers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know how to keep your uh, knees from blowing out to ACL, too. Way to go. This is a glorious day as we think about this. Um, we're going to talk about Doubting Thomas. And if you don't get anything else, I want you to look at that middle banner there uh, that says, Do not doubt. Believe. That's the message of the sermon. So if, if you're ready to go, you can stand up and walk out of here. But I hope you'll stick around a little bit longer, but that's the, the essence. We're trying to build faith. And, and uh, doubting Thomas gets a bad rap. I believe that. You ever been misunderstood? Misunderstood by people that even love you? They know you, and yet somehow, some way, you've said things that they don't understand quite right? My wife is... Um, I used to tell her when we first got married, I, I have to tell a story about my wife. You know, this is a, an important day. And so I, when we first got married, I used to say, Honey, you're the, you're the first girl I ever dated that I didn't date for her looks. <laughs> yeah, that's what she said. I, I didn't mean it that way at all, okay? I was misunderstood. What I meant was, okay, and I want to clear this up on Easter Sunday in front of all of you and all you witnesses, she thought I meant she was ugly. I didn't mean that at all. I meant I am so thankful that your inner beauty, your kindness and your compassion and your joyful spirit and your loving attitude match your incredible outward beauty. That's what I meant, all right? Yeah. But the Apostle Thomas, is he kind of gets misunderstood. We call him Doubting Thomas. What we should call him is the apostle who overcame his doubt to believe. Because that's what happens. Thomas starts out. And if you want to turn in your Bibles to John 20, we're going to be there in just a little bit. John 20, 24 through about 31 is what our primary text today. But I want to get you into the Scripture and some other places as well. Because we're celebrating Easter. My friend Terry Evans out at the golf course says that Christmas is the promise. Easter is the answer. And I believe that. This is the greatest day in not only Christianity, but the greatest day in the history of the world that we celebrate today. And I, and I just want to, before we get to the Scripture, I want to remind you 
of what we celebrate today. Uh, little Barrett Duncan said it best. We celebrate God today. We don't celebrate the Easter bunny. We don't celebrate Easter eggs. We can do it with that. We don't celebrate the Easter ham. We don't celebrate the peeps. We don't celebrate any of that stuff. We might use all of that stuff, but we're, what we're celebrating is what God has done in the world to save our souls and give us hope not only forever, but for now. For right now, today, He is alive, and because He is alive, He changes everything. Easter changes everything. And I want you to focus on that and how, what a difference Easter makes. If he has whipped death, then we need to have no fear of it. By the way, I saw Aiden Wells right there. He also advanced. I didn't see you for the first time, okay? 200 meters right in the, in the 2 by 800 meter, re, or 2 by whatever, 4, 200 by 400, 800 meter relay is what I call it, all right? But all of, all of what we celebrate, we are reminded that he is alive and for centuries the people of God have recognized that. I'm going to just remind us with this little sing-song thing we do at Easter. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Would you join me with that? Three times. And we're going to do that in increasing volume just to remind ourselves. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. Indeed. And I know, Brad, you did a part of that. But we got to get the indeed part in there, right? As we think about all that we're looking at today, I wonder what that means for you. You see, Thomas, before he ever encounters the resurrected Christ, he was devoted to Jesus. We talk about him as doubting Thomas, but really, he is devoted Thomas. And I want you to see this in John eleven sixteen On your screen, it says this, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go to and die with Jesus. See what was going on? Jesus was going back to Jerusalem where they wanted to stone him before. And his disciples said, hey, let's don't go back there because if we go back there, they're going to want to get you again. And Thomas is the one who stands up and says, let's go, that we may die with him. Later on, in that upper room, as the, the last farewell discourse, as Jesus is teaching his disciples, he has another teaching time with them, and he says, let not your heart be troubled. Now, the reason their hearts were troubled is because Peter says, hey, where are you going? I want to go too. And Jesus says, you can't go with me now. You'll go with me later. And Peter, in the end of chapter 13 in John's gospel, says, I'm going to go wherever you go. I'll, I'm ready. I'm ready to die with you. And Jesus says, no, you're not, Peter. You're going to deny me three times before the, Easter, before the rooster crows. And then Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and bring you to where I am. And then he says, you know the way. You know the way I'm going? And it's Thomas, the realist. Sometimes even the pessimist who says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Because in chapter 11 and in chapter 14, Peter, I mean, Thomas looks death in the face and says, basically, I would rather die with Jesus than live without him. 
Jesus responds in chapter 14, verse 6 to Thomas's question, how can we know the way? By saying, you know, I am what? The way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. That's Thomas before the account of what we're going to look in chapter 20. You see, placed all his hope and all his faith in Jesus. He believed that Jesus was the one, the Messiah. And then something terrible happened. All his hopes were crushed. You ever felt like Thomas? Life hadn't turned out exactly like you planned it? Like you wanted it? I mean, as good as life is for most of us, we know there are some moments, some divorce moments or disease moments or even loss, death moments where things don't turn out like we had planned, like we wanted. Anybody? You know, everybody's life in here is perfect, right? That's why you've come together on this Easter Sunday morning because you don't need any hope. You have all the hope you need in yourself, right? No. In fact, I don't know anybody in here who's perfect. I don't know anybody anywhere who's perfect. Oh, yeah, I do. I know that one. I know that one who was hung on the cross who was perfect in our place. His name is Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. You see, as we we think about the encounters that Thomas had with Jesus after the resurrection, all his hopes were crushed. And it's unbelievable. Unbelievable that Jesus would rise from the dead. You realize that? For him? And for us? But you know what faith is? My favorite definition of faith is it's where unbelievable meets undeniable. And that's what happened for Thomas. The unbelievable of Jesus rising from the dead met the undeniable that he was there in their presence. Remember, he shows up on Easter Sunday evening to the ten, and Thomas is not there. I don't know, maybe he's on a Starbucks run or something, but all the rest of them are there, and he's not there. I think he's probably off mourning by himself. He's that kind of guy, pessimistic, kind of gloomy, kind of melancholy, sort of mournful kind of guy. He's off by himself somewhere. And he comes back and they say, hey, we've seen the Lord. And he says, you're crazy. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. And and he says, unless I see the nail-scarred hands and place my hands in his hand, unless I place my hand, thrust my hand in his side where the spear pierced his side, I will not believe. And his response to the resurrection was an honest, no way. I'm not believing until I have visual, tactile proof. Till I audibly hear his voice. Well, guess what? Jesus gave him exactly what he needed. Would you look at it in the scripture with me? Let's stand in honor of the reading of God's holy word. In chapter 20, starting with verse 24, I've given you a little background already. And one of the 12 uh, disciples, Thomas, nicknamed Didymus, or nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, 
We have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands. Put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. And eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked. But suddenly, as before, just like the week before, this is a week after Easter, Jesus was standing among them and he said, Peace be with you. He said, he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Stop doubting. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. And Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Folks, I want to get a show of hands. Anybody here actually ever seen the risen Christ? No one? Anybody in here believe he actually rose? Yeah. Blessed are you who believe without seeing. It's called faith. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you, Lord, for an opportunity for us to respond to this word in your resurrection. Father, I pray that you would show yourself in these moments. I pray that you'd speak. But Father, unless you speak, I have nothing to say. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So many of you declared that you believe that He's risen from the dead. And you've come to celebrate that fact. Maybe some of you are in this place doubting that, like Thomas doubted that, because it really is an unbelievable thing. Have you stopped to consider for just a moment, we Christians, how crazy we are in some ways? We believe in one who's died in our place for the forgiveness of our sins once and for all on the cross. Every sin that's ever been committed, the billions and billions of people and the billions and billions of sin. We believe that that was heaped on Jesus Christ once and for all, that he who knew no sin became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And he validated all that he did and all that he taught and all of what happened on the cross by rising from the dead. Folks, that's unbelievable. Until it's undeniable. And you know what the undeniable part is in this day for me? His lives have been changed. world has been changed. That there were men and women who have given themselves completely Literally given their lives for the cause of Christ. It was Thomas and his buddies. The disciples who every one of them were martyred for their faith. Now folks, people don't die for a lie. They might line their pockets for a lie, but they aren't willing to be whipped and beaten and tortured and run through with a spear. That's what Thomas's ultimate fate was. The, the tradition tells us that ultimately he carried the gospel to India. All the way to India. They believed that, those Christians in India. And then he was ironically run through with a spear. Just like he wanted to place his hand in that nail-scarred side. 
or that spear-scarred side of Jesus Christ. He was run through with a spear because of his faith. People don't die for a lie. So if you're in this place today and you doubt whether he ever died and rose from the dead, and some of you may, and that's okay, your doubts are real because life hadn't turned out like you anticipated, just like Thomas. Just be first and foremost on the back of your bulletin. You follow along with that little outline. Just be honest. Honestly express your doubts because that's what Thomas did. He did it to his friends, and I think his friends helped him all through that week. And that maybe they even spoke to the resurrected Christ that we don't have record of. But whatever happened by the next week, he was a different guy. But he was a different guy because Jesus showed up. Hey, and when Jesus shows up, everything changes. <laughs> Thank you, boys. The power of the resurrection that brought him back to life is still available today for you and for me. Jesus still, when he shows up, and he does, changes everything. I want you to encounter him this Easter. I want you to consider some things, even from this passage Look what he says, I will not believe unless. What is that for you? Unless you have all of the things in your mind that need to be settled, settled. Unless you have all of the difficulties that you've gone through and God has allowed to happen in your life, dealt with. Does that need to be happening? Because most people don't believe because they... Or most people fail to believe not because they don't believe in the resurrection. They fail to believe because they can't believe in a God who will let whatever happen. And they've been disappointed by a spouse or a parent or a child. They've been disappointed by a pastor or a Christian leader or a deacon. They've been disappointed by... Uh, a boss or someone who claimed the name of Christ. And folks, don't get your eyes on anyone else. Get your eyes on the one who gave himself for you. God loves people, you, more than anything. More than anything, he wants you to know he'd rather die than let you go. You look to him. But if you have doubts, take them to him. And however Jesus found out, he found out. And when he, he shows up, he says, Thomas, let's remove those doubts. Put your hands here. See if those scars aren't real for you. Put your hand here. Fear ran me through to make sure I was really dead. And the blood and the water gushed out and proved I really was. Put your hand there. I don't know. It doesn't tell us. If Thomas ever really did that, if he had to put his hand in the nail-scarred hands, if he had to put his hand in, in the spear-scarred side, but whatever happened, Thomas's reaction was this. Faith. 
So when you have your doubts answered, just believe. That's what John is trying to tell us all through his gospel. Follow with me for just a moment these verses. When your, your doubts are dispelled, believe is the second point. Stop doubting, Jesus says to Thomas, and believe. Jesus says to all who did receive him, or John says in his gospel about Jesus, to all whom, whom did receive him, to those who believed him and accepted him. He gave the right to become children of God. Do you believe? The second thing I want you to see is that great verse in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever, what? Believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting, eternal life. John 3, 36 in the same chapter says And anyone who believes in God's Son has eternal life. Anyone who does not obey the Son will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's angry judgment or God's wrath. So here it is. Either you believe and you get to live forever, or you don't believe and you remain under the judgment of God, the wrath of God. I don't want anyone in here to ever have to come face to face to a with a holy God, without the covering of the blood of Jesus Christ. I want you to believe what He's done for you on the cross is for you. Because I don't want you under the angry wrath of God, but everyone who doesn't believe remains under the wrath of God. John's Gospel tells us. He continues on just a couple of more of these in John eleven twenty five 25 and 26. It's still the Lazarus occurrence. Jesus says to Martha, I'm the resurrection and the life. And anyone who, what? Believes in me will live even after dying. And everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever <laughs> die. Do you believe this, Mary? Do you believe this? Put your own name in there. Do you believe this, London? Do you believe this, Linda? Do you believe this, Crockett? Do you believe this, Cliff? Do you believe this? Do you believe? I believe. Thank you. Thank you, Casey. And then he says, at the end, the climax of this gospel, John writes, verse 31 of the same chapter we just read. But those... But these things are written, all these things about believing, these things are written that you may continue to, you following along? Believe. There we go. Let me try that. We need to wake up a little bit. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in Him, you will have life. By the power of his name. You don't have life, real life, unless he's given you life through his name, by your faith, by believing in him. Now, I've used this illustration many times before, but I don't have a better one, so I'm going to use it again. When John talks about believing, it's not just here. It's here. It's believing in your 
heart, with your life. And John's Gospel reminds us that faith in Jesus comes not as we just know what He's done on the cross, but that we are willing to put our lives on the line with Him, that we are willing to put all our weight on Him. So I can believe all day long that this chair can support my 250 pounds or so. But it's not true until I do what? Praise the Lord. As you put your weight on Him, you lean in on Him, you trust Him. Because here's what Thomas says when Jesus encounters him and says, stop doubting, do not doubt, stop lacking faith, believe, Thomas exclaims for the first time in all of Scripture, my Lord and my God. He made it personal, didn't he? My. Remember English? Personal pronoun? Possessive? My Lord and my God. Is he? Has it been made personal? Have you received him personally? Because if you have, what He deserves now is your worship and devotion. Not just a once a year, twice a year worship service crawl in there. You know, in the, in the preacher world, we call folks who come on Christmas and Easter, what my friend Brad Taylor says is, Creasters. Creasters, that's a great name, isn't it? I referred to them in the bulletin that says CEOs because they're very important people to me. I love I love CEO Christians. Christmas, Easter only. But there's more, folks. If it seems like every time you come to church they preach the same thing, it's probably because you just come those two times a year, you know? <laughs> and there's more, folks. Oh, so much more. It's not about church attendance. It's about devoting ourselves to Jesus and preparing ourselves for His mission and experiencing the power of the Spirit and encouraging one another, loving one another. You realize last year we were in a parking lot at Thriftway for Easter Sunday services. I mean, that was great and that was unique and that was different, but it ain't like gathering together where we can hug one another and we can love one another and we can pray for one another and we can encourage one another and we can spur one another on to love and good deeds. And all those one another's only happen as we gather together as the body of Christ. That's the value of church. Some of you think, I don't need... But you do. We all do. God's created... And some of you have been burned by pastors and leaders I've already talked about. And, and it's time to stop doubting and look to Jesus and believe. Worship. Devote yourself, your time and your energy and your efforts to the things of the kingdom. You see, this can be a special day for folks. It's already been a special day for four folks who've been baptized, but there's 
folks in this place, and we're going to give you time to respond here in just a moment, that this could be a defining moment in your life when God starts to do a new thing, a new work in your life, a moment that you literally can reshape your life and reshape your eternity. If you'll believe, if you'll step over that line, and if you're already a believer, then just look around you and see so many people that need you to be real, authentic. Folks like that need, to be, that need you to be like Thomas who will consider their death, but take them to the Lord and then have them answered and then worship and share. Why? Have you ever stopped to consider why Jesus doesn't just we give our lives to Him? Ever? Take us out of this old broken, rotten world, sinful world. Because he's not done with us. Because he wants us to show people that it's real. That he's alive. That he's changed our lives. And we want him to change them. So I'm going to give you an opportunity as we sing. Our God is mighty to save, to have your soul saved. As you cross that line of faith and say yes to him. We say around here it's as easy as ABC. You admit that you're a sinner. You believe that Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of your sin. And then you choose personally to make him your Lord, your boss, and your God. Do it. What are you waiting for? Wednesday night I shared with our young people. One guy said, I'm, I'm going to do that eventually. Eventually. And that's where a lot of you may be. I'm going to do that eventually. If you'll just shut up, preacher, I'll do it right now. What are you waiting for? Don't wait. It's Easter. We celebrate. <laughs> hey, the baptistry's already full if you want to take that next step. We got clothes. I'm no kidding. We got clothes back here. We got undergarments back there. We got t-shirts. We got shorts. If you want to take that next step of baptism, we're ready for you. Your people will wait. They'll wait. We got towels. You'll dry off. Your hair will be okay. Don't worry about that. You do what God leads you to do as we sing right now. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you're mighty to save. I praise your name for this place and these people who love you enough to fix a breakfast so people will come and eat, have their bellies full, but Lord, also allow people to have their hearts full and understand, Jesus, that you came back from the dead That all of our fears of, the, of death and dying are alleviated when we put our faith in you. You've said, Lord, that we were dead in our sins, but you've made us alive. And we are alive in you, Jesus. Because you rose, we can rise. And I pray for the people in this place who've never made it public. I pray there would be people who proclaim today on this Easter Sunday what Thomas proclaimed, my Lord and my God, and give themselves to you. And I pray, Lord, there'll be others who realize they've just been playing around with you. They claim the name, but they don't live the faith. They're not actively pursuing you. So, Lord, I pray they'd come back. What a great day to restart, to reboot. Father, I ask for those who are passionately pursuing you, 
to continue. Give them strength, Lord. Endurance. Power. Like you did through the Spirit to those first apostles. Oh, Lord, give us what we need in these moments. Give us the courage. Boldness. Step out. In faith, by faith. In your holy name we pray, Jesus. Amen. You respond right now as we sing. Mighty to save, stand together. And what a better Sunday than Easter. To have your soul saved. To make a public declaration of faith. Recommitment or, or whatever God is calling you to do. You do it right now as God leads in these moments. Would you? You don't have to step out. You don't have to come for God to deal with you. But it's just a step of faith. Just a renewal. Would you do what God leads you to do right now? You've got plenty of time.